Hey everyone and welcome back to Mental Health Uncorked. I'm Ashley T and I'm here with my good friend Dr. G. Hey Dr. G. Hey everyone. Well, good to see you. I miss your face. You too, man. Um, just want to let everybody know while we're both licensed mental health clinicians, this podcast is not meant to replace going to therapy. Uh, we are both huge advocates for making sure, especially more than ever now, that you are taking care of your mental health with a professional. also want to let you guys know that this uh, podcast contains some content and language that may not be suitable for the little ones, so be careful of that. We also wanted to take a few minutes to kind of address a, a small elephant in the room. Over the past week, we've gotten some questions about how we pick the name of our podcast, Being Mental Health Clinicians. And to be honest, we promise to keep it really real with all y'all. And um, in saying that, these are conversations that me and Ashley would often have over a glass of wine. But the title is not meant to offend everybody. We are very aware of substance abuse and alcohol dependence. And we keep that in mind and it is not meant to offend anybody. So we just wanted to put that out there and we love you all for showing concern and that wasn't the intention of this, the title of our podcast. It was just to keep it really real that sometimes these are conversations that we would have over a glass of wine. Right on. So that's where we're at. What's going on, Ash? What's the latest? Girl, it has been a week. I think my kids are slowly trying to kill me. <laughs> um, my husband's doing a really good job of saving me, so I appreciate him. But yeah, I mean, it, we're just, you know, working, getting through up here, up in Michigan, uh, the, the latest changes and various pandemic rules and guidelines and being rule followers. So that's what I got going on. Heard there's okay. been, a, been a couple outbreaks in Michigan through the, mm -hmm. through the news. Governor Whitmer is coming through with some more rules for you, for y'all to stay safe. Yep, we got a couple new we got a couple new mask rules. We're talking about going back to school right now. Um it's a thing. But I got a question for you, G. Tell me. What what you got, girl? <laughs> this is killing me. I'm curious how much toilet paper you have down there in Nashville. Oh my god. <laughs> the toilet paper. Um Okay, I'll be honest and transparent. I literally have one roll left in my apartment right now. One. I got to go get more. Well, the good news is, is you're only one person. So you probably only need one roll of toilet paper. But I, on the other hand, have four people living in my home. And when I get up in the morning and I see a half a roll of toilet paper hanging out of the toilet, I'm curious which child I'm going to I'm going to harm first because up here in Michigan, toilet paper is like gold. It's like you could ration it on the black market. I think it is, it is a thing. And while we're talking about that, all paper products are a thing. Like every, all paper, pro Clorox wipes, we were staying at a friend's house and I was helping to clean their, their kitchen for them. And I went to go grab the Clorox wipes and then I thought, how rude is that? I don't know how many jugs of Clorox wipes they have. I probably shouldn't wipe their counter with Clorox wipes because Lord knows when they'll get another thing of it. And then of course that makes me think, 
analytically about, which I have been doing since the beginning, and I'm sure you have too, about toilet paper and why that is such a focus for people, why they are, why they are hoarding toilet paper. That is a question on the news. That is a question in social media, every meme that I see. Are you seeing the same thing in Nashville? Oh my gosh, yeah. People fighting over toilet paper, people fighting over hand sanitizer. I literally still go to every grocery store and shelves are empty. It's mm-hmm. it's crazy. Who would have thought 2020, the year that we're all war at war with each other over toilet paper of all the year of the, of the white roll, man. The year <laughs> of the white roll. I tell you what. So I've had a lot of people talk to me about the anxiety that the, that the toilet paper crisis has brought on to them. And I think just grocery stores in general, I don't know about you down there, but grocery stores in general, people have had, especially when we were in those phases, I don't know what the phases are like in Nashville, but up here in Michigan, the, the phases are, uh, we're in phase four right now. But when we were in phase one and phase two, like you couldn't go to the grocery, you sent one person to the grocery store mm-hmm. and you were seeing empty shelves, which I think right now when I go to the grocery store, I see full shelves, which is nice. Um, but I know people that are like buy, still buying toilet paper every time they go to the store, just in case we go back. And so one might wonder what about that brings them comfort in the middle of a crisis or a, a or a global pandemic, I guess. Oh. It's so crazy that people are even identifying a roll of paper that you wipe yourself with, if we're being honest, (laughs) as a comfort item. Mm -hmm. And something that reduces their anxiety when they have it. Mm -hmm. So what is, you know, what is this? Like, I I cannot get over the, the toilet paper. Well... I mean, I feel like a lack of clarity creates anxiety, right? I mean, we focus on that a lot. Or our one of my idols in mental health is Brene Brown, and she would say clear is kind. Um, and in the beginning of the pandemic, everything was unclear. And I think when we're unclear of something and we're and we have that that intense need or that intense anxiety, then we have a need for control. And the one thing that we can control is what we purchase, what we have in our homes. Mm-hmm. And when it's a virus that we're not clear of, I don't know about you, but if I have the flu and I'm shitting all the time, I want to make sure I have enough toilet paper. <laughs> that would, <laughs> that is a great point. Yes. And no. at that, honestly, at that point, they kept saying you, that was not a symptom, but the symptoms have changed several times. And it's not, it's not just for the listeners. It's not a symptom. So don't worry about it. <laughs> but I can understand why people might be worried. Another disclaimer, we are not medical doctors, so we don't know. But just from what we've heard. But I know I, I was talking to somebody the other day and she was like, gee, I am literally eating everything in sight. Like anything that I can physically, tangibly grab, I am gaining weight and it's all bad food for me. And she was like, what is this? You know, everything that she had control over that she could eat, she was eating. And honestly, I mean, our stress response causes our cortisol levels to rise. And what our cortisol wants is sweet, 
high fat, high sugar foods. And so it's not that far off that our stress internally is causing biological reaction. And you're seeing that in the form of behavior like eating a whole bag of potato chips. I mean, it's, yeah. it's happening. Or yeah. going to the store and controlling that you can buy toilet paper or hand sanitizer because mm-hmm. everything has been taken out of your control. Mm-hmm. Everything. So I'm like, I'm like a thrifty shopper when I go to the store. Not And not like I don't do coupons because I don't have the mental capacity to sit and either virtually, cl- I go back to like the days of like actually cutting coupons or coupons or however you want to say it. But I don't have the, I can't sit and do that. But I do have a budget that I like to stick to when I'm going grocery shopping and it's usually around $150. I don't know how I stick to that. I don't know how my kids eat for the week. I have two kids and a husband and I think I just drink protein shakes all the time. So I don't, (laughs) I don't ever eat food. I don't have an eating disorder. I just prefer protein shakes and I snack a lot. But during this crisis, I would go to the grocery store and I would leave there spending like $400. Mm-hmm. And I would get in the car and I would be panicked because I would think, oh my gosh, my husband's going to kill me. How did I just spend four? How did I just spend my entire month's budget for groceries in one grocery trip when there was no groceries on the shelf? Like what, what happened here? How did this happen? And so I started analyzing, cause that's what we do, right? We analyze behavior and we analyze trends and I love to analyze behavior, even my own, um, And the trend was I was buying carbohydrate snacks. So chips, um, like the cheese, like Cheez-Its or goldfish or things that I knew that my kids liked. I was buying them every week, but I wasn't buying like one box. I was buying the limit, but I was buying it because for whatever reason, the idea that my kids suffered with not having what they were used to. I wanted to keep my home as um, predictable and as normal as possible, even though the outside world was just chaotic and crazy. I didn't want my two, my five-year-old and my second and my two-year-old to feel any of that. So I thought, oh my gosh, if they don't have Jif peanut butter, what's gonna happen? And I didn't hoard Jif peanut butter. I bought it every trip if it was there. <laughs> just one jar. But every time I came home, I was spending $350 to $400 a week. And for some people, that's a normal grocery budget. For us, that was not. And my husband's like, you cannot do this anymore. And I remember we got into a fight one day about it because he's like, you can't keep spending this money. And I thought, okay. And I had some choice words for that. You want to go to the grocery store? Do you want to see shelves that are empty? Do you want to fight? You want to stand in line with a mask on for two hours? Do you want to see that there's no toilet paper as far as the eye can see every week that you go there? Because it's traumatic, right? It's a traumatic experience to see people in distress and to see your shelves empty. That's very traumatic. And I went on this like rant because I can go there and I can use my words and it went on for about 15 minutes and he had decided at the end of that that he did not want to go to the grocery store. <laughs> oh yeah. It was gonna be me. But he understood that like 
I'm faced with a choice and all I'm thinking about are my children at this point in time. And I think I'm a pretty rational person, even though my reactions during this were not rational in any way. Um, and so my, like, I, I think I'm an empath. And so when I think about people who don't have the means that I have, um, or that you have, or that friends of ours have, and they're faced in the same situation, how even more traumatic that must be for them. Yeah. And, you know, you bring up a good point that something as simple as seeing the grocery store shelves empty was traumatic. You know, Mm -hmm. there's small traumas and there's big traumas. In Mm -hmm. in the clinical world, we call, call them little T's and big T's. And the big T's, you know, when we talk about trauma, people think about trauma as car accidents, house fires, abuse, neglect. I mean, the big things. But truthfully, trauma, little trauma, like seeing the grocery store shelves empty, or those bigger traumas, big T's, they're all events. They don't really become trauma until they sit in our body. That's mm-hmm. what makes them trauma. Seeing an empty grocery store shelf is not trauma, but your body's reaction to it and your mind's reaction to it is it is what is traumatic for it. And mm-hmm. I had I had somebody say to me the other day, um, actually it wasn't the other day, it was right when this started, and it's really resonating with me lately, but they they came up to me and they were like, there needs to be a handbook for this because I really don't know what the F I'm doing. This is so difficult. Like what is happening? Why am I reacting this way? And why is this so hard? Right. And she made a great point. Like there is no handbook for this. And really, I think it's really important to know, and Ashley will probably laugh at me right now, but I always want to know why my body is doing something or how this is happening every day you're waking up and there's a part of your brain that is called the amygdala. And in the amygdala is your smoke alarm of your brain. It is your smoke detector. It tells you when inherent danger is near, whether it is real or it isn't, but you, you feel that fear sense and it's your way of protecting your body. So your brain alerts, your amygdala is, is reactive and it either tells you to fight that thing flight away from it so run away from it or freeze from it and essentially pandemic is that happening over and over and over and over again Mm -hmm. and that is why it's so difficult because your amygdala has not turned off in four or five months and it's changing the way that you're doing it and that's why it feels like why is there no handbook for this? Because I, no matter what I try, I'm not figuring it out. And it just gets scarier, right? That's a sobering thought. Yeah. And it just keeps getting scarier and feeling more out of control. So what do we do about it? Well, you know, I think it's important to realize that you can control certain aspects of your life. Like even when you feel out of control, we have to go back into what can we control. For me, I mean, I, I truly was sitting pretty through the pandemic and thinking about um, students that I had in school that I know are in traumatic home environments and, and just the added stress being put on parents and what that may do for them. Um, I was very thankful for my position throughout 
this crisis, even though I went through my own stress just with not knowing, am I going to lose my job? Um, are my kids going to go without? Is my husband going to lose his job? I mean, there's so many unknowns and what ifs and things you can't control. So we have to focus in on what can we control um, through this process. And sometimes you have to stop your thinking and intentionally refocus it on the positive. Um, for me, that was running. I'm not, I hate running. Anyone who knows me personally, G knows this. I am not a runner. I hate it. I hate everything about it. I think people are psychotic that want to do it most of the time because I don't understand how they do it. And I say that lovingly. I don't think that there's like a psychosis behind that. <laughs> I just, <laughs> I am not one who can control my heart rate while I'm running. It's never been something that I'd like to do. I've much more enjoyed carbs. I like the, the sport behind eating <laughs> and not the sport behind running. So please don't be offended by that statement, runners. I value you. I think you're amazing. But I thought I'm, I can do hard things and I can control this. So I'm going to try it. And it became not quite an obsession, but something that I had to do every day. Because I knew that during that time I was running and I was safe and I was okay. And I could control my heart rate and it recentered me. I could also control what I put in my body. I could control how much rest I got. I could control to say, I'm not going to allow these thoughts to continue taking my, my wellness away from me. Um, I can try to keep my environment happy for my kids. Yeah. Small things that I felt like I could control. I could do the dishes today. Yeah. <laughs> Again. I don't know why I had 17 cups in the sink through one day. I don't know why that happened. I don't know why my family was drinking out of a new cup every time they went to the, the, the refrigerator to get a drink. So then I had to wash 17 cups every day. I don't know why that happened, but you know what? I could control the fact that I was doing the dishes, small wins. <laughs> yeah. And you know what? You bring up a great point, Ash, like families are together now. Spouses are together. Significant others are together. Everybody's stress response is off the chain right now. Different. You be, yeah, you could be with somebody forever and know how they react to stress or know how they react to fear. And it's mm -hmm. out the window right now. It's totally different. So there's mm -hmm. something called co-regulation as well. And you have to co-regulate with people in your life, whether you live with them, whether you're in a romantic relationship with them, whether they're just friends with you. Mm -hmm. They are acting different. And that comes from very simple things but easier said than done things like being caring being patient communicating about how you're feeling so that they can get on the same same page as you your stress is off the chain like we we're talking about that trauma response it is a threat to your safety that mm -hmm. fight flight or freeze response and so your safety, we're talking about health here, right? And we're talking about your normal life. And so it's just a constant thing. And that's funny that you bring up, you know, I'm done with the dishes in the sink. I'm done with this. And you have every right to be <laughs> done with dishes in the sink or things like that. It's just about how you co-regulate with people that is going to make all the difference. And really putting yourself ahead of all of that and, and being self-reflective about what you need in that moment. My favorite analogy ever, and people are going to laugh at me because I use this so much, but 
you go on an airplane, right? They do the mm -hmm. safety, safety risk or safety risk. <laughs> Hopefully no planes are going down, but you know, do the, <laughs> do the model for your safety and talk about if there is a change in cabin air pressure, there's going to be oxygen masks that fall down. Please put the oxygen mask on yourself before you put it on somebody else. Because if you're mm -hmm. passed out due to lack of oxygen, how are you going to help the person next to you? And I think that is such a beautiful visual for mental health and taking care of yourself, especially right now. If you're not taking care of yourself, how do you expect to take care of your family, your spouse, your significant other, your coworkers, your friends? You want to be there for them, absolutely, but that should not come before yourself. That's so true. You know, I find it interesting that this pandemic has like leveled the playing field in terms of trauma, yet it hasn't at the same time because that minimizes folks that are living in, you know, like the big T environments with the pandemic on top of them. But when I say level the playing field, I mean, everyone has experienced a certain level of trauma at this point. Like the days are over where someone can say, I, I don't have any trauma in my life. Mm -hmm. um, because I think that this experience has impacted everyone in one, at least in my state, I think it's impacted people in, in one way or another. Um, educators, and I think about them a lot. I spoke with a former um, administrator that I used to work with and I worked in a district, well, G and I worked in a district that was pretty um, traumatic. The population had dealt with a lot of trauma and not all of the people who worked there had, but had a big heart for students who lived in trauma. And so I had talked to him about staff wellness and what he had thought about doing for his staff. Now that I'm not working there, it was one of those like checking in, what are your thoughts? What are you thinking? And we just discussed for a while about how every educator in his building had now experienced trauma. Teaching from home was not necessarily the happiest of times and, and the uncertainty of the world um, left things, you know, feeling unsettled. It left, it left people feeling unsettled. And now that we're going into the school year, I think we're more prepared with virtual learning, at least in our state. We're more, we're more prepared for that. But I think a lot of educators are feeling that, what, what am I going to do? <laughs> How am I, how am I going to get these outcomes and, and how am I going to take care of my babies? Because they truly are. I mean, most teachers view their kids as their babies, you know? Yeah, totally. So this, this experience has very much leveled the playing field in the sense that all people are experiencing a degree of trauma. Mm -hmm. And again, that's not to minimize folks that have very big, severe traumas, have lost people through COVID, are in abusive relationships right now, um, experiencing violence or addiction. Um, and feel like they don't have a way out. That's not to minimize any of that. It's just to say that most people have experienced the effects of what you're talking about. Yeah. And you, you know, those disclaimers are so, you know, and, and validations are so important, but something that I just want to make a point about is we have a, as a society have a really hard time. We always make comparisons, right? We are always comparing we are always saying, you know, I have it worse or they have it better. We're blaming, we're blaming self, we're blaming others. I would just love to just put this out here on this podcast right now. 
we need to knock that shit off. Like we're done with comparisons. I'm done with them. There's I don't know anything no, good that comes from them. Yes. There's no, there is no comparison that is good. And honestly, we are all experiencing a pandemic in some level or another. And so to compare, it just puts us at, against each other. Like it just, it just compa- uh, kind of creates a competitive nature about a pandemic. Like, why are we being competitive about a pandemic, honestly? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, giving yourself that grace, giving others that grace that people are literally just doing the best that they can with what they have right now goes back to that whole, there's no handbook for this. There never was, there never will be. There's no set way on how you are supposed to, to handle this. So everybody's just doing the best that they can. Do you think there will be a handbook on it? I think we should create one, Ash, actually, <laughs> because if this were to ever happen, and so whoever wants to contribute, please um, email us at solidrootstherapy <laughs> at gmail.com. <laughs> no, I don't know. Truthfully, gee, I don't know that I want to create the handbook on this. I'm just trying to <laughs> No, that's fair. You know, and there, there's just a lot of things happening right now. So I hope that everybody just has the, the empowerment to give themselves a little bit of grace during this. We also have protests. We have presidential elections. It's causing a lot of feelings and opinions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A lot of opinions. A lot of people are losing family and they're losing friends and they're, you know, it goes back to this like surprise. You know, back in the day. <laughs> tell, me that, me, Ash, tell me about that. Tell me about Yeah. Not that I'm super old, but back in the day, I remember my mom teaching me that you don't talk about politics. It's not something you talk about. You don't ask somebody how much they make and you don't talk about religion. Those are like the things that you just didn't talk about as a society. I remember learning that as a child. I'm not that old. So it wasn't that long ago. It was pre-social media, but <laughs> it wasn't that long ago. And I find it, like I sit and I analyze this too, I find it fascinating um, how I, I think, I have a feeling, I have no research to back this, um, but once we're broadcasting our thoughts and feelings about politics, we start looking at each other so differently because it's something we didn't know. We know that about you. You look at your Facebook friends that you've been friends with, might be dear friends of yours, and then you find out that they're a Biden supporter or a Trump supporter, and you're like, hmm, I didn't know that about you, and it's very different than me, and so what does it say about your values and your morals and your beliefs? And instead, (laughs) if we didn't talk about it, and I'm, you know, I love to talk. But if we didn't talk about it, it would never come up and we would have a preconceived idea of something that we didn't know, right? We would just, we would make up something in our head about it and assume, I guess we would assume that somebody would believe the same way that we did, or we would just respect the fact that we don't talk about it. And whoever you vote for is your business and whoever I vote for is my business and that's who it is. The world isn't like that anymore. <laughs> It's not like that. And people are losing friends and they're losing families and they're fighting at Thanksgiving and Christmas. And it's sad to me. Yeah. It's sad to me. I had a conversation today with a friend of mine um, over the, the COVID vaccine. 
and she said that she's been asked a lot if she was going to get the vaccine and she had a, a friend of her say that she wasn't going to do that or she read somewhere that somebody wasn't going to do it and I said you know we're literally sitting in the front yard watching our kids play and I said you know I don't know if I'm going to get the vaccine the minute it comes out because I know that they're they're very much trying to find a fix for it and there won't be a whole lot of research to back it possibly and so I might wait a minute before I get it. I said, there's lots of vaccines that have come out and, and they found later that they needed to tweak it or there was some side effect from it. I may, I may not get it. And she said, well, I look at it like the flu shot. And I, like, I just had an epiphany. And I thought, I never looked at it like the flu shot before. You get that every year. It's for a different strain of the flu. Maybe I will get it now when it comes out because I hadn't looked at it like that. And we both looked at each other and we thought, we just had a super controversial conversation. And it was truly just a conversation. <laughs> like, we did not judge each other for the opinions. And listeners, I have no ground or <laughs> stance on the coronavirus vaccine. I know nothing, literally nothing about it. I would definitely check with your medical professional <laughs> regarding that vaccine. I know that I will. <laughs> Again, we are not medical we are not doctors, doctors. Yeah. Um, but we did have a very controversial conversation about this vaccine that everyone is up in arms about. Some are very pro, some are very con, some call it a microchip, some don't. And, and I just thought, how nice is it that we could have a normal back in the day conversation about something that we don't know about and share thoughts and ideas. And I got to tell you, I had never thought about it like that. I don't know that that's the right or the wrong way to think about it, but I hadn't thought about it like the flu shot. And I was very thankful that she shared that she felt safe enough to share insight with me because it changed my thinking Yeah, in a very non-threatening way. Yeah. It's, I don't know. It is. It's just, oh my gosh, I'm just going to keep going back to this handbook thing. Like there's, there just no, is no right way. You're right. There is no way you have to do what's right for you for sure. And I, uh, I also had a conversation today, kind of similar to yours, where we just had a nice conversation, but we brought social media into it. And uh, this, this person that I was talking to today was literally like, I can do everything that I can. I can turn off my apps. I can put timers on my phone, but I feel like I cannot escape social media anywhere right now. And I thought that was very insightful of her to know that she, she can't escape it and she's doing different things that she is trying to do to help herself. Mm -hmm. um, and she said it's helping, but all of these things are so, you know, millennials, Gen Z, even, even different generations. I shouldn't even put a generation on it, but we are so hooked to our social media right now which tells us that we should um, communicate in a certain way. And so, you know, we're so connected yet yeah. disconnected. We're Big connected note. yet disconnected. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a very interesting dynamic that you bring in a, a civil conversation verbally with people. And I had a conversation about <laughs> having interactions over social media today. And so it is, it's so different. And so really, actually, I'm going to get on a soapbox for a second, but I want to encourage you all, if you feel like you are on social media too much to the point where it's affecting your mood or, or your mental state, just take a break from it. 
just take a break. It doesn't mean it has to be a day or a week or whatever. Take an hour break from it. It could be a little chunk, but give yourself that permission to, to take that break because I know FOMO is a real thing and people are really afraid that they're going to miss out on something if they're off social media for a, a extended amount of time, a second amount of time. Ashley's looking at me. What is that thing that you just said? Oh man, Ash, are you that? You're not even old. FOMO is fear of missing out. I didn't know that. Uh, okay, well, for everybody out there, please comment below if you know what FOMO is so I can tell Ashley that it's the only one that doesn't know what FOMO is. Oh girl, what am I going to do with you? I think you guys are going to hear that I don't know a lot about a lot of things, but what I do know is that my phone will remind me uh, each week if my, if my usage was up or down, and when it's up, I want to throw it and say, you don't know me, <laughs> you don't know what my week was like, you, why are you judging me? Like, I feel judged by my phone already when it says you, your usage time was up 14% this week. And I'm like, yeah, well, I needed to escape. How about that? I needed to escape this week. You don't live in this house. Yeah. Okay. But let's, let's talk on that. Like you said, escape is a great word because we're using social media as a coping skill now. We are. And that's a little scary. Yeah. That is, that's what hap what is happening. And it's a, an opportunity to turn off and not be, not have to deal with reality and be kind of into everybody else's reality, which isn't really reality because social media is the highlight reels, right? It's not really what's going on. For some, I've noticed lately, some are, are putting, um, and I very much would consider social media your highlight reel, but I've noticed lately some of my, my people on social media are just putting their every thought mm -hmm. on there. And I think to myself, like, what a good way to get it out of your person, which you could also do through a journal um, that's private and to yourself, but that's not my judgment to pass, right? Like some people need that feedback and that's what they, they're seeking the feedback for somebody to help them. And, um, and I appreciate that, that I'm not somebody who necessarily judges that. Um, I try, I try to judge no one really, though my nickname is the judge with a certain friend group, but I try to judge no one. Um, but I've noticed that some are putting out like thoughts and feelings. They're every, they're every thought and feeling. And I think to myself, we could journal. You obviously need to get that out. So maybe seeing a therapist would be good, but like you said, it's their method for coping mm -hmm. right now. It's a, it's a very and how vulnerable you must be to cope publicly like that. Yeah, I think that that says a little something, not in a bad way, not in a good way, yeah. but that's, not, where yeah. you're going. that's where you're yeah. going for your coping. So really, let's wrap, let's wrap up today with like, what can we do? Because people, mm -hmm. people are like, what do I do? I get that question all, all day, all week. I don't know what to do. And so a couple things, I mean, we, we went back to all the way back to the beginning of the episode, we were talking about high cortisol levels and eating potato chips and bags of M&Ms and things like that. I told you I'd keep it really real with you. I'm doing the same thing. It's very hard. <laughs> it's very hard. 
And so healthy diet is super important right now. Moving your body is super important. Not everybody likes to work out. I get that. Go for just a little bit of a walk. Stand mm-hmm. up in between Zoom meetings when you're working from home. Anything to kind of move your body. It doesn't mean that it has to look like running miles or going to a cycle class or anything like that. It doesn't have to be intense workout. Just no, nope, not at it. all. Even a quarter mile. If you can go out and walk a quarter mile, if you're in an environment where the weather is really nice and you can get out and get some sunshine, you'll be surprised setting small goals, very small attainable goals and meeting them every day, how that will completely change your mindset. That's what I did with running. And again, I, there's so many people that have been transformed and changed mentally by fitness. And I'm, I'm one of them truly. And I know sometimes we, I know that I've sat back eaten on the couch in a slump and I've thought you weren't really transformed by, (laughs) I've watched people on TV and thought you weren't really transformed by fitness. You just have something that I don't have, but you weren't really transformed. You've been doing this your whole life. And now that there's you know, ways to change photos. <laughs> this isn't real life, but it, it can be real life. I know I'm one of them. I set small goals with running and I went from running a half mile to a mile to three miles within three weeks. And that's just because meeting the goal every single day made me feel good. And I allowed myself a break and, and a little, um, I let myself off the hook if I didn't meet a goal one day with the understanding that I was absolutely going to meet that goal the next day. Mm-hmm. My knees hurt, took a lot of Epsom salt baths, man. <laughs> Those Epsom salt. But, and, but now I can't live without it. So, yeah. and you know what? It doesn't necessarily have to be that type of move your body too. Nope. Sometimes that works. Yoga, well. yoga meditation, mindfulness. Mm-hmm. I mean, truthfully, research tells us that that type of move your body is even better than the the high endurance and high intensity workouts. Different things work for different people. Journal, read a book, listen to music. I mean, those are simple. Call call a friend. Call a friend. Yeah. Call a friend. Talk to somebody, not through text. Like hear somebody's voice and inflection in their voice. Ashley knows that I am not a talker on the phone. I do not like to talk on the phone. I am a big texter and she will be very intentional about calling me and say, you're going to talk on the phone today. And it's okay. It's okay to do that. This whole thing is about just being very self-reflective about what you need in that moment, even if it's difficult to do that. For sure. I promise you, you will not regret it being reflective about that. Well, and the other thing is, is there's no, like, we're being real. There's no easy fix. Mm-hmm. There's no easy fix. It's, it's definitely takes intentional thought and work. So it's not just going to happen. One walk, one yoga class, virtual yoga, yoga class, one meditation session is not going to cure how we're feeling right now. Um, it's gotta, it's gotta be intentional work that, that we work on daily in order to get there. So keep that in mind. It's not just one journal entry or one yoga class. So that is where it starts. That's where we start our progress and where we start our journey with it. Mm -hmm. Um, But we have to be very mindful of, of the effort we put in at the same time. And that's hard. That's really hard to do. I think it's really hard to, to make a point to journal every day. 
for every week. If this were easy, we'd all be doing it already, right? And we don't have it figured out. So giving yourself that grace to know that it is difficult and you can do this and there is no handbook for how to do this. I'm not writing one, Gina. No. You're not roping me into that. So with that, we hope that we gave you a couple things to think about tonight and moving forward. And we want to encourage you to just keep having conversations about this tough stuff. So with that, Ashley, you got anything else for us today? I think I'm good, man. Couple things to think about. Couple couple things to go to think about. This spicy Italian. Just wants to say cheers to everybody and cheers to taking care of your mental health and thinking about it in a different way. And this is Mental Health Corked. See you soon.